Uh, I mentioned uh, David's message that he preached. I believe it was on the 27th or 29th, something like that, of, of uh, December. And please, that's on the website. Please listen to that. It will impact you uh, very much. Also, would ask you to, to uh, check out uh, the message that I just preached last week. We had uh, a number of people sick, and I think we had less people here last week than we did, you know, tonight even. And, uh, but just so many people out sick. My whole family was, was mostly out. But this is a real posturing word. It was a, a word prophetically the Lord gave me back in August and uh, really inserted it uh, into where we're going out of Matthew 14. And uh, just talking about Peter getting out of the boat and um, just the, the rock that Jesus is in our life. But this whole message of risking toward God. Risking toward God. There's a lot of things that we've done, um, you know, we could put under the category of stupid, never again, anything. We just took a risk and we got crazy and we went for it. But there's something about risking toward God. If we see Jesus, that he has done it and that he's calling us to do it, just like he called Peter to get out of the boat. We know we have full confidence in faith. That is faith that you can bank on. It's solid. You can take it to the bank. And we can follow Jesus wherever He calls us to go. And uh, I hadn't heard David's message yet, but it was th- those things really worked so well in tandem in terms of where, um, you know, what's going to happen this year and, and all the rest. Those things that we'll just, we're trusting the Lord for and, and seeking Him for. We're going to take communion together uh, this evening at the end of the night. And uh, so look forward to that as well. All right, I want to just I want to pick up where uh, where I left off uh, last week, and this whole aspect of risking toward God, risking toward God, and so much of the challenges that we face in our lives in terms of being able to step into what God is calling us to. Really, the, the biggest obstacles are not those around us. It's not circumstances around us. It's right here. Everybody point right here. Me, myself, and I. And what happens in our minds and our thoughts and unbelief and fear and the, that can grip our hearts, those are typically the things that, that hold us back. And I think one of the biggest fears that we can face as the body of Christ is when Jesus starts talking about things like the cross. You see, when he started talking about the cross, because that was such a common form and a horrific form of torture in his day, people started plugging their ears. They don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear you talking about death and, and all this, but he starts predicting you know, his own death and his own suffering. And then even before he would go there, he starts calling his followers. He starts telling them things like, take up your cross and follow me. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. It's like, Jesus, you're, I remember writing a song a number of years ago. I woke, God woke me up in the middle of the night. Or maybe it was just what I had for dinner. I don't know. But I, I got up and I was, the, we were in a hotel room with the whole family. I didn't want to wake anybody up. And I, I just, I, I turned the bathroom light on and I put my Bible and my paper down next to the door so I could see and um, have enough light. And I just started writing this song about, you know, you're saying things, Jesus, that nobody wants to hear. 
You're, you're talking about stuff that is so crazy and, and that it is, is so hard to get into my, my human heart. I don't have faith. I'm finding it very difficult to have faith to follow you into what you're calling me into. Let's look at this. Chapter 9, starting in verse 23. Jesus said to the crowd, He's just talking to everybody who would listen. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. Did you get that? If you want to be my follower, lots of people, they sign up like, put your hands in the air, and and I want to be a follower of Jesus. But he says, here's the people that are going to follow me. You must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. If anyone wants to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose or forfeit your own soul in the process? If a person is ashamed of me and my message, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in my glory and in the glory of my Father and the holy angels. What happens on a cross? What happens on a cross? Someone or something dies. That's exciting. This type of death requires faith to believe that the death of my own selfish ambition could actually result in life. That's oftentimes why we don't go near it because the faith, which is, we talked about last week out of Hebrews 11, the ability to see beyond my own senses. To be able to believe what Jesus is saying, that when He says, if you go through the cross and you follow Me, it will result in life, and life eternally. It's Jesus' death produces life. Then Jesus, in and through Me, He can do it again. He can do what we were singing about. The lost are found. The blind see. The lame walk. The dead will live. I I don't know if that's... If that would translate to me actually laying hands on somebody who has died and seeing them raised from the dead, I don't know. But we're also talking about the spiritually dead that are so longing for someone to reach out to them, for someone to touch them, for someone to love them and give them the love of Jesus that we've received. I want to be that. I want to be that one. That's why I'm crying out, Jesus, take these 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 covers off my eyes, these blinders that keep my heart numb to those needs around me. Stepping out on the water. Galatians 5, 24 and 25. Galatians chapter 5. I love this. Just before this, Jesus, or Paul is talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Jesus Christ, listen to this, this is so important. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross 
and crucified them there. Do you hear that? That's the people who belong to Him. That's the people who belong to Jesus. He says, now if we are living now by the Holy Spirit, come on, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading. How do we follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives? We've got to embrace this thing called the cross where I deny my own selfish ambition, my own desires, and I make an exchange. Because on the other side of this exchange, on the other side of the cross, is life. And decisions and choices that I can make to follow Him, that when I'm in Safeway, I can deny myself my own desire, hunger and sleep and, and all these other things that, that pull at us. And I can be available to Him to bring that life to someone else. This is the key to the fruit of the Spirit and following Holy Spirit wherever He goes. What are you looking forward to this year? Have you thought about that yet? I know there's a number of us that have made New Year's resolutions and different things. That's, that's how, you know... That's how Chuck makes his money. People, okay, I'm going to get in CrossFit. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to be there. I'm going to make it happen. i got to tell you, I've yet to get back into Planet Fitness since before Christmas. My wife keeps like, when are you going to get back in there? She's been faithfully, diligently going in there, and I've been slacking. Where is our faith? I get it. We don't feel like it. We, you know, the, all, we don't have the desire, all that. But our faith beyond those things that reaches beyond that is my faith growing or is it growing cold? Where is your faith? Let Jesus, let Holy Spirit ignite, ignite. Am I drifting? Am I fading? A friend of mine, fairly new friend of mine, you, some of you may have met him once, Ed Shute. Uh, he came a number of weeks ago, and then he went off to Kenya the following week. And I got an email from him when he was in Kenya. And I wanted to share some things that I believe um, will inspire us. When we hear somebody who's stepping out and they're saying, Jesus, I want you to use me, however you can. He went to Kenya and... He really had a profound experience there. And I just wanted to share a couple of things that I thought this really popped out. He says here, My willingness to get dirty and more importantly be obedient to the Spirit led me to a number of spiritual experiences that I will never forget. And below are a few. One first one, holding a 15-year-old girl for an entire church service who had just admitted to me that she was considering just giving up. She was so broken by the end that I literally had to support her weight as she asked to be led to the altar call. We spent many hours together for the rest of camp encouraging each other. Unfortunately, I later learned that she drank some poison after camp and I'm still trying to get a hold of her. You know, to, to, to the willingness to keep pouring out, to keep reaching even when 
You know, there isn't the response on the other end. It's like you, you pour out, you give out into people's lives, into your kids and all that, and it's like, ah, where's the fruit? Where's the result? And here this poor girl, so just discouraged. What I mean, distraught. You can't even, I don't even know what words would be to, for someone to just go, you know what, I'm done, I'm out. Having a seven-year-old girl approach me in a field and literally ask, say these words, Mister, will you tell me who this man is that they call Jesus? Okay. Oh man, I don't think I've ever been as spiritually excited as I was at that moment. A mixture of sheer jumping and up and down and excitement with a desire to stay calm to hear the Holy Spirit's guidance. We sat down right in that place and I told her about Jesus. Ten minutes later, I had a group of about five other children sitting with me as I led them through and praying and receiving Jesus. I will take this memory to heaven with me. Talking to a mom with a baby on her back on a street village who so obviously was poor and had tremendous needs by our standard. But when I asked her for any prayer request, she simply said, I just want to find some cooking oil to make my baby a good meal for tonight. Her trust in God to provide needs on just a daily basis was so refreshing and foreign to the long-term goal-setting and planning of Americans and myself specifically. Meeting a young man at a school for, for the homeless who told me his story of becoming homeless. He told me in great detail how he watched his dad chop up his mother with a machete when he was six years old, and how he still has nightmares of this incident where everything in the nightmare is covered in blood. And, but, listen, seeing this kid's growing love for God was so inspirational. But the, but the mostly personal impact was when after he finished the story, he looked at me and he genuinely asked, so what are your problems? Could you, could you talk to me? I mean, you can tell almost this, this kid, I'm reading between the lines here, but it's like this kid wanted to, in a sense, because of what he'd been through, he wanted to help bear the burdens of whatever Ed was facing in his life. So could you tell me about your problems? You know? Like, no, I, I used to have problems before I talked to you. He looked at me. I said, I don't, think, I don't think I'll ever look at my quote-unquote problems the same way again. You see, perspective helps give us faith for what we're going through. All of a sudden, right, there's this thing of, oh, okay, I've never had my mom murdered in front of me before. And it's not to minimize the things that we're going through, but it does give us perspective and faith for the journey and for the fights that we face. It's like, wow, God brought this young man through it. And he's not going to go home to a nice house and family and all those things. He goes back to his homeless shelter that he lives in. I was praying for numerous young people who were broken down, sobbing, even hyperventilating in one instance. In some cases, they were having doubts in their faith or needed help knowing how to pray. But in many cases, they just wanted to know Jesus more. It was so inspirational to see how passionate they were about their spiritual journey. Kenyans get as broken up and as emotional for their spiritual growth as we do for horrible life events, deaths, breakups, 
jobs, all those kinds of things. In this risking toward God, in this year, you know, we've, we've handed out some, some really important things here in regards to uh, Bible reading. We believe are tools to really equip us. But we need to understand in the midst of all that, that there, in the midst of all the other resolutions that we would make, that there would be a resolve in us to know God. That's the only thing that is satisfying. It's the only thing that carries us through whatever it is that we're going through. I mean, we think about the relationships that we have with one another, that if I could just have somebody reach out to me. We were sitting at a table last night. We went to an appreciation business event that David and Katie had uh, for their business. And we sat at a table with some people that are clients of Strzeski's and and uh, we were sitting with Dean and Sue and my mom and these people that were there, and, and they were just sharing about their lives. And they were totally just lost my train of thought. Where was I going just before that? Was I? What's that? Oh, it was good, too. No worries. Mm, that's good too, Mom. Wow. That's okay. That's all right. We'll get back on it. But a resolution to know God. A resolution to know Him. To know His Word, but to know Him in His Word. Having people around us is, is so important. But to, but to go through life without God is pointless. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. Part of Satan's strategy and we is to rob us of our identity. Who are you? And who you are is defined by whose you are. There's all kinds of lies that are going to come at you this year. Things that you're going to face if you are not grounded in God's Word. And this is, that's why these preparation words, and I can say go back and listen to these, to these MP3s. Go back and listen to them because they're posturing words for what we're going into this year. I don't know what those things are, but I know it's so important that we are grounded in God's Word, that we know who we are and we know whose we are. What happened to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4? He goes into the desert. He is tempted, but he's fasting for 40 days. He's tempted by the devil. And how does Jesus respond to that temptation? Those distractions. I mean, here Satan is exalting him. It's like, hey man, I'll raise you up. I'll make you the king on the highest hill if you'll just bow down to me. What does he do? What's the question that he asks? If you are what? If you are the Son of God. Now, to make this, to, make, to help us understand what's going on here, let's go right back to the end of chapter 3. What happens? Jesus is baptized in water. John the Baptist, out of obedience, not because he you know, was greater than him, but out of obedience, he baptizes him. 
says the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and Father God's voice speaks and He says, this is My Son. Everybody, I want you to know, this is My Son in whom I am well pleased and I delight in Him. So right there, He speaks identity. Everybody knows whose He is and who He is. He is the Son of God. God has just spoken. He goes into, right away, Holy Spirit, not the devil leads him, but Holy Spirit leads him. A lot of times we're, you know, like devil, get out, get away from me and all this. And it's like, Holy Spirit's going, um, that's me. I'm, I'm actually leading you. So says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and there he was tempted by the devil. And so the devil came with these different temptations, these different distractions. And the first thing that he goes after every single time is he says, if you are the son of God. So what's he going to do? He's going to come at us and he's going to say, Dean, are you really are you really a son of God? Now, he's not the son of God. Bethany, are you really a daughter of God? Do you really belong to him? Did he really truly die for you, Daniel? Did he really give his life? Has he called you to an amazing destiny? Can you actually get out of the boat and walk on the water if he says you can? Can you actually, in the middle of Safeway, speak up to somebody and say, Hey man, and this is what he actually told him. He goes, you just lied to me. I'm giving you teasers so that you'll go listen to it confronts this dude right in the middle of Safeway. He's like, bro, you just lied to me. So if you want to hear the rest of the story where David gets punched out and everything, you need to listen to it. (laughs) Perspective. Perspective. Whose we are and who we are. Identity is key to our purpose and mission. We are a a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 We are righteous because of who God is. 2 Corinthians 5.21 We've been chosen. Ephesians 1.5 We are accepted. Ephesians 1.6 So God's Word is so, so key for us to be locked into this understanding. I want to conclude with this and we're going to take communion. This past week over, um, or two weeks ago here now over Christmas break, I was sharing with everyone last week how we went out on the uh, on a friend's boat. We went crabbing uh, with a number of guys and we were coming on the tail end of this huge storm that has hit the coast of California. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily really, really stormy, but these swells were quite large. And I started considering, can I make it to shore if we were to go under? We started taking water over the front side. It's an open bow boat, about 18 feet long. And you guys have heard my story before about being stuck out in the ocean. So I know a little bit about doing stupid stuff on the water, okay? But, and the, but the, the point is, is the power of the ocean. The power of it. You get sucked into the ocean and, 
unless it spits you back out again, there's nothing you can do. For anyone who has ever contemplated, thought about the might of the ocean, the power, it's... I would, I would wager that probably hundreds of thousands of words have been written about the ocean over the course of history. Maybe millions. Poets, marine biologists. Why don't you close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to, I want you to visualize the oceans that you've seen. The power at which they... When we go to the um, California coast, I mean, the way that it hits these rocks and just white water all over the place. I mean, nobody wants to get near the, the place where that, that water impacts the ocean. It's staggering beauty. The force of the tides. You just, you're small. You're so tiny in the midst of that. You think about the expanse of the oceans. The scriptures tell us that God spans the universe with his hand. His hand. Now, I could read every last word about the ocean to someone who had never seen the ocean before, never experienced it, you know what? It wouldn't be enough. The last thing we want is for people to go through a year of reading and studying the Word. How about a lifetime? In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says, He's talking to the church folk, and He says, you guys, you search the Scriptures as if it's going to bring you eternal life. But he said, they all point to me. But you won't come to me to get this life. Even reading Scripture can be kind of a prop for us. It was for them, because it was all about doing stuff, performing. If I just read enough, if I just do enough... That is what Jesus is setting us free from. We don't read to gain something or study to gain something. We read from and we study from a place of grace and freedom and life in Jesus. There's there's simply no way to adequately describe the ocean in words. You have to experience it. Ephesians 3 talks about the the depths and the the heights and the breadths of God's love. But he says in verse 19, he says, but you've got to experience Christ. You've got to experience Him. Just like you've got to personally encounter the ocean. The Word of God is this collection of words about the ocean. But it's not the ocean itself. He, God, is this untamed, right? Powerful, beautiful, the great one. God is the ocean, right? He's called us to give our lives to Him.
you guys stand up with me? Scripture is very clear that an, an aspect of God's life and His grace comes through what we know as communion, the Last Supper. There's this time of the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread that was celebrated to commemorate when God caused the angel of death to pass over every household in Egypt that had blood from a lamb on its door. And this celebration was this foreshadowing of what was to come. And for years they came to Jerusalem and they celebrated this feast of unleavened bread and this Passover signifying the angel of death passing over their lives because of this blood and they were waiting for the Messiah to come. And again, many of them didn't recognize him when he came. There was going to be a great rescue, a great rescue from sin, a great rescue from death. This was a family celebration. Check this out. In in, in uh, families, they would get together and celebrate this and so in celebrating with his disciples in this upper room, Jesus was saying, you guys are my family. But you know what? He's sitting there with somebody, Judas, who would betray him. Peter, who would deny him. Thomas, who would doubt him. What does that tell me? Yes, there's a place for me at the table. There's a place for me in this family. Because even those guys who struggle with so much, they're not, they weren't very spiritual when they were walking with Jesus. But Jesus took these guys in. He said, hey, walk with me. Even in Mark 14, He says, all of you are going to desert me. All of you are going to desert me. This gives us hope. What I'd like to do is I'd like to, to have... Um, I'd like the elders just to come forward and and join me up here. And uh, we want to, yeah, yeah, grab the elements. And, and what we want to do is we want to do something a little bit special just to cap this off. And we're going to quit here in just a second. So, uh, but we from time to time, we want to take a little extra time and focus on this aspect of communion, our communion, our, our communing with Jesus. Because this is such an important aspect of grace in our lives. It says in Luke twenty-two nineteen, Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had thanked God for it, he broke it in pieces, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, broken, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you guys to come forward and just receive here. And, and we just, you know, we're not priests, but we do want to bless you. Would you just come, just come out from your, from your rows, just line here. You can follow around and then just come back. Once you go out that way, go out to the sides and then uh, you can come back down the middle aisle, um, back to your seats. 
Jesus, you're the bread of life. Your body's broken for us. And then after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this wine is the token of God's new covenant to save you. It's an agreement sealed with the blood I will pour out for you. Bless you. Bless you, every single one of you. That means that you would have the indwelling life of Jesus within you. That's what Jesus said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. When talking in the Sermon on the Mount, when he said, bless you, he's talking about that you would have the indwelling life of Jesus in you. Feel free to go ahead and just receive. Do this in remembrance of me. We're just going to finish tonight with a song just to seal this time called No Sacrifice. And I love everybody just to come up to the front here. Taking up our cross. Here's our life. Not seeking to hold on to it. Ah, true resurrection life. Nailing the passions of our flesh and our desires to the cross in exchange, not just for an idea. Jesus for you. We choose you because you first chose us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I just want to say thank you for this people. Thank you for the eyes that you're opening up in their hearts, helping us to see what you see. Everybody said, amen. So be it. So be it. Powerful, Lord. You're so good how you work in our lives.